Any of us who follow sports teams uh, will know the feeling of your team doing really well. Because when your team's doing well, there's a mixture of emotions. You're very, very excited that they're winning games. But you're also very worried that they're about to lose the next game. Just waiting for the trap door to fall out from beneath you. I I, I don't really follow Gaelic games, but I guess that's how Mayo fans were feeling on Friday. They were excited that they were going to the All-Ireland Final, and yet they were worried that they were going to lose, and of course they did lose. Worried about the, the next performance. Excited you're doing well, but worried about the next bit. I remember very, very well watching Ireland play the All Blacks in 2013. The match was in Dublin and New Zealand hadn't lost a game all season long. There was one minute left to play and Ireland were five points up. 22-17, Ireland had possession of the ball. All they had to do was keep the ball for 60 seconds and there would be a famous victory. The first Irish win ever over the All Blacks. But even for those 60 seconds, it felt too good to be true. It felt as if, as if uh, something was going to happen. I, I didn't really believe that Ireland could win. Of course, with 20 seconds to go, Ireland gave away a penalty. New Zealand took it quickly. And Ryan Crotty scored in the corner to level the scores, 22 all. Now, I was thinking to myself, it's not a win, but a draw against the All Blacks isn't bad. The All Blacks haven't beaten all year. It's a hard kick. The conversion's going to be a hard kick. Maybe we're going to get a draw with the All Blacks. Aaron Cruden stepped up. He hit the ball and he missed the kick. We'd drawn with the All Blacks. I was so excited. But then the referee called it back. Ireland had tried to charge down the kick. They ran out too early. And Cruden got a second chance. Stepped up. He nailed the kick. Ireland lose 22-23. Do you know that feeling? Do you know that feeling? I just knew it was going to happen. Don't get too excited. Things can't be that good. Dale Ralph Davies, in his commentary on this passage, says that Linus in the Peanuts cartoons get this. I don't know if you ever have seen the Peanuts cartoons, but Lucy is reading a story to Linus, and it's about King Midas and and how everything King Midas touches turns to gold. And Linus says, I can stop you right there. I know what's going to happen. These things always have a way of backfiring. There's something of that in all of us, isn't there? That, that pessimistic outlook, always waiting for the trap door. No good thing can last forever, isn't that what we tell ourselves? I think we're going to have to get used to that feeling, sadly. We're going to have to get used to that as we look at the life of Abraham, because that's what happens with Abraham. He just fluctuates between the mountaintop and the valley, between highs and lows. Abraham is a lot like us in the way he lives the Christian life. He he has great obedience and it's followed by catastrophic disobedience. Between honouring God and holding firm to God's promises by faith and failing to trust God's promises. Instead taking matters into his own hands. 
That's what we see Abraham do in our passage today. I want to remind you about last week. Last week God made amazing promises to Abraham. Humanly speaking, they were impossible promises. He, he promised this old man and his barren wife that they would have children. In fact, their descendants would become a whole nation. God also promised Abram that he would receive a land, the, the land of Canaan. The only problem was there were already Canaanites who seemed to think the land was theirs. But God also promised that he would be with Abram. And that's how the promises would come to pass. It wouldn't be because of Abram, it would be God who carried out his plans and his purposes. God fulfills his own promises. And that's really good news. Because as we continue with the story of Abraham today, we see him jeopardise the plans and purposes of God through his lack of trust and hope. In our passage today, I want us to see a, a, a movement. A movement from famine in the land to Abraham's failure of trust to God's faithfulness to his own promises. So let's look at the passage together. Do have it open. Verse 10 of chapter 12. Verse 10 tells us a lot. It really sets the scene for us. Now there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there. For the famine was severe in the land. Right after the the big promises at the start of the chapter. Well there comes a time for Abraham's trust to be challenged. At a time of famine. And Moses really wants us to know how bad this famine is. He tells us there's a famine. And then he says again, there was a severe famine. It was a severe famine. So what's Abram going to do? Is he going to trust God's promises? Or is he going to fail? Now we're not going to linger on this too much. But shouldn't we realise just how often this happens in our own lives? How often the the spiritual high is followed by a time of famine. How often the the high point of our week, the the worship of God on a Sunday, turns into Monday morning. In those times, do we cling to God's promises? God's promises which are just as real on a Monday morning. Or do we fail to trust? I'm sorry to say that Abraham failed. I don't want to read too much into it, I don't think. But generally, if you read in your Bible that someone goes down somewhere, it's usually not a good thing. It's like a sort of code for wandering away from God. Those of you who heard the midweek talks in Jonah, you'll remember that. Jonah went down away from God. So Abram went down to Egypt. And that's not a good thing. So there was famine in the land, yes. And, and humanly speaking, it probably seemed sensible to head for Egypt. Egypt is watered by the Nile. It, it likely had lots of food. But we shouldn't forget that just a few verses previously, what had God promised to Abram? He promised him the land of Canaan. And here we have Abram abandoning Canaan for the land of Egypt. He's jeopardizing God's plans and purposes. On the surface, it it might seem wise for him to head to Egypt. If he didn't, it looks like he's going to starve. It looks like his wife is going to starve. 
But God has not promised the land of Egypt to Abram. He promised him the land of Canaan. And so Abram is abandoning the plans of God. His problem is he failed to trust in the promises of God. And like this is often the case, one failure of trust leads to another. If Abram had stayed in Canaan, then he wouldn't have had to worry about his wife being taken. But because he took matters into his own hands, because he went down to Egypt, he faces another problem. You see what the problem is? Verses 11 to 13. Abram's wife is very beautiful. It came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know you're a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, This is his wife. And they will kill me, but let you live. Please say you are my sister, that it may, may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. Now, men, it's not a bad thing to tell your wife that she's a woman of beautiful countenance. Maybe you want to try it this afternoon, see what happens. It's probably a good idea. But that's where we should stop following Abram's lead. Do not say to your wife, please say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake and that I may live because of you. That's not the most romantic of lives. Technically, Abram and Sarai are half brother and sister, so it's really only a half lie, but that's not the point, is it? The point is that Abraham is acting out of cowardice. He's only thinking of himself. He's happy to, to put his wife into a very difficult situation. Let's not sanitize what it means that Sarai was taken into Pharaoh's house. And again, it, it's all because Abram is not trusting in God's word. He's taking matters into his own hands. What did God promise him? God promised he would become a nation of people. So if Abram was trusting in the promise of God, he would know that he couldn't die until he had a son. And his wife, Sarai, is surely the one who will carry the child. So just think of the compromise Abram is making here. Just imagine that Sarai did become pregnant at this stage. Who's going to believe that the child is Abram's? Who would believe it's the child that God has promised? Wouldn't people be convinced it was Pharaoh's? And wouldn't Pharaoh want the child to be raised in his house in Egypt? So for Abram, one sin leads to another. What seem like wise decisions on the surface, they can't really be justified. And there's this downward spiral. Things go from bad to worse, out of the frying pan and into the fire. Abram is making some pretty big mistakes. And these mistakes could potentially harm the plans and the purposes of God. If Sarai did get pregnant at this point, where's the promised line going to come from? And let's not forget that Jesus, the serpent crusher, is going to come through this line. So you see how dangerous it is to mess with the promises of God. Abraham is playing with fire. His, his actions here, they seem somewhat reasonable on the surface. There's a famine in Canaan. Let's go down to Egypt. My wife is beautiful. Let's tell a white lie and pretend she's my sister. 
Do you see that Abram is really jeopardizing God's eternal plans and purposes? So when we dig deep enough, we see that while Abram has been called by God into a new relationship, and while Abram is clearly an Old Testament believer at this point, yet he has failed to trust in the promises of God. So Abram takes matters into his own hands. He brings his wife with him down to Egypt and into the house of Pharaoh. Friends, this can so often be the case for each one of us. If we are Christian people, if we've put our faith in Jesus and trusted him for our salvation, well then we're in the same position as Abram. Haven't we received the promises of God's word? We, we have it in our hands. Aren't we God's people who have been called out of this world to live for his glory? Aren't we the people that God has promised to bless? And yet don't we also fail to trust God's promises? Don't we think we know better? Don't we try to take matters into our own hands and save ourselves? can be all too easy even for Christian people like Abram to put our trust in the things that we can do Abram was one of God's children he was called by God he responded to that call in faith in a real way I think we can call Abram a Christian at this point but he's not perfect he's far from perfect he's like us he's a Christian who struggles he struggles with doubt He struggles with questions of assurance. Abram wonders to himself, can I really trust God? Did God really mean it when he said he would give this land to my children? Abram has doubts and his doubts, well, they lead to sinfulness. They lead to jeopardizing God's plans. So friends, if if you've ever doubted God's word, if you've ever struggled to believe it, if you've ever struggled to believe that you're saved, If you've ever wondered if God is real, that his promises are true, then you're in good company. Abram was a struggling Christian at times. And when things got tough, when a famine came, Abram did the wrong thing, didn't he? He decided to take things into his own hands. You know... There are going to be many times throughout this series on the life of Abraham when I say we should follow the example of Abraham. But this isn't one of them. In this instance, we have the example of Abraham to show us what not to do. When things in our lives get tough, when a famine comes, when things are really difficult when you're struggling to believe, when you think perhaps God has abandoned you, don't be like Abram. Hold the faith. Keep on believing. Continue to trust in the goodness and mercy of God. Don't do what Abram did. Don't take matters into your own hands. Don't think that you know better. Keep looking to God. Just look what happens next in the story. Abraham has failed to trust in God's promises. It seems as if he's jeopardizing God's plans and purposes. But that can't happen, can it? It's not Abram's trust in God's promises that brings them to pass. It's the fact that God has made them. 
Abram cannot thwart God's purposes in the world. Abram's lack of trust cannot stop God from keeping his promises. It is God's faithfulness that wins the day. Look at verse 17. The Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Pharaoh took Sarai into his house, but God wasn't going to let that stop his promises being fulfilled. And so God keeps his promises. God protects Sarai. He protects the womb which will carry the the line of the promised seed. It's interesting to note that in Genesis 12 there's a bit of a foreshadow, isn't there, of the exodus. It's going to come much later in the biblical story. But look what happens. There's a famine in the land. God's people go down to Egypt. And then God rescues them through plagues. And over and over again in the Bible, isn't that what happens? God rescues his people. That's what God does. Brings them back to the promised land. See the last verse in the chapter? Pharaoh sent them away. That's what's going to happen later in in the Exodus. And just like in the Exodus, actually, here God's people leave Egypt with more than they entered. They leave richer. They plunder the Egyptians. God makes sure his people are looked after. He makes sure they are protected. And he rescues them. We as God's people, well we do struggle, don't we? We struggle to believe in and to to hold to the promises of God. We're, We're like Abram. We can be even tempted to take things into our own hands. Just like Abram. But God's promise to Abram doesn't doesn't depend on Abram. And God's promise to us doesn't depend on us. It depends on God. He is the one who rescues. Even when we fail to trust him. Even when we sin against him. Even though we try to take things into our own hands and think we know better than God. It's not we who rescue ourselves. It's God who rescues us. (coughs) Excuse me. Even in our failure. Even in our failure. God is faithful. So when those times of famine come. When the bottom falls out. And you are facing the most difficult of circumstances. When all hope seems lost. When it feels as if God's promises are never going to be kept. Friends, I want to encourage you to cling on. To see that God keeps his promises. Look to his word. And see what God is like over and over again. He keeps his promises. He kept his promise to Abram. The promise of land was, and, and, and the promise of a seed. Those weren't thwarted by Abram's failure. Through that seed. In that line which God protected And protects time and time again throughout the Bible. Through that line our Lord Jesus came. In the line of Abram. Jesus came to rescue us. Each one of us who trust in him. And Jesus' rescue comes to us. Because Jesus actually took the plague on himself. It wasn't Pharaoh who was plagued in the rescue of Jesus. 
When Jesus came to rescue, he took the punishment. He took it upon himself. God's enemies of Satan and sin and death were defeated through the death and resurrection of Christ. And it's because of Jesus that we can hold firm to the promises of God. Even in difficulty, Jesus will rescue us with everlasting life. Friends, what is the worst thing this world can throw at us? Is it death? Is death the worst thing the world can throw at us? You have everlasting life through Christ. If you're struggling to trust in God, don't look to yourself. Don't look inward. Look to God's word. Pray for his Holy Spirit to help you understand and believe. Don't be like Abram. Don't try and fix it yourself. Instead, look to Jesus. He is faithful. And in him, all of God's promises are fulfilled. Let's say a prayer together.